0: The Son of God goes forth to war, a kingly crown to gain. His blood-red banner streams afar, who follows in his train, who best can drink his cup
1: of woe. Welcome back to Death and Glory, episode two from our brand new Studio K. I'm Peter Rasmussen. Joined by my good friend and partner in crime, Jordan Parks. Mr. Parks, how are you? Fantastic. How are you, sir? You know what? I'm doing well. I was just uh, thinking about how nice and cozy our new studio is. Are you glad we're not in my barn or we had kicked around recording?
2: As aesthetically pleasing as the barn would be, uh, you get into this time of year in Missouri, some of those cold fronts, they're brutal, man. They are brutal. I'm glad I'm not a cow out uh, on this uh, potentially negative twenty-something degree wind chill evening. So
1: you'd make a good-looking cow. Thanks. Yeah, you, I think. Do you have any? Do you have any favorite Christmas foods?
2: Absolutely. Uh, by and large, or sorry, by and far, it would be my mother's chicken cordon bleu. Mm. She makes not every year for Christmas because it is incredibly. Labor-intensive, but it is delicious nonetheless. Uh, if you do not know what that is, it's chicken breast stuffed with cheese and herbs and ham, and it's got this wonderful mushroom gravy that just drips
1: all over. It is a, it is a wonderful treat. Mm, that sounds tasty. What about you, sir? Well, my wife makes delicious cinnamon rolls for mm-hmm. Christmas morning, and on Christmas Eve we always have. Uh, Wow, I can't remember what it's called. Beef stroganoff. Beef stroganoff, excellent. Yeah, beef stroganoff, one which is favorites. handed down from her grandma. her grandma. Oh, so wow. we, you know, that's like a tradition that's been passed on. That's one that's good eating on yeah. Christmas, man. It is. It's delicious. And there's always leftovers, which I love. Even better. So uh, as promised last time, we are going to be talking about the martyrs today. Amen. And really taking a deep dive into Fox's Book of Martyrs. So I hope everyone has about 60 hours to join us. Um, we're as, reading as we every, read, word. every word in the unabridged versions. There you go. Yeah. Can you do
2: it old English style?
1: Ooh, I'm not that smart.
2: Okay. Or at least a solid British accent. What do you think?
1: No. Mm, <laughs> I mean, I could, but you know, all those people would probably try to cancel us for cultural appropriation. Probably. And, yeah. Uh, I'd be so good. I mean. yeah. uh, so, really, what we yeah. want to focus on, though, is I mean, why were the martyrs able to suffer with joy? And able to endure to the end. And why did they fear the Lord rather than man? Mm-hmm. You know, and diving into that, looking at, uh, you know, the early guys trying to move through. Clearly, you know, everyone has their favorite martyr. We, we know you've all read this book multiple times. Mm-hmm. It's on your bedside table. Our audience and, is smart. Um, you know, we're probably going to miss your favorite guy just because there's hundreds if not, there might be thousands in here. There's gotta be thousands. There's thousands in here, and you've got two thousand years of history plus. Yeah. Um, so, don't send us any hate mail. You know, if, if we miss your guy. But where would you like to begin, Mr. Forge?
2: Well, I think the good place to begin is uh, is the disciples. Oh, okay. um, I mean, you've got guys who who walked with Christ, who heard all of His teachings, um, especially about. Uh, the persecution and the suffering that they would go through and well guess what it came to them. So um, let' just, let's just read down through here and just kind of get um, uh, just kind of a picture of what these guys went through toward the end of their life. So Simon Peter, um, one of Jesus's closest disciples, crucified upside down. That sounds like um, a great time. Andrew, crucified on an X-shaped cross. Um, if you're familiar with your flags of the world, yeah. uh, that's Scotland's uh, flag. It's in the shape of St. Andrew's cross. Um, James, the brother of our Lord, death by the sword. The Apostle John. Uh, we don't think that he was martyred, but he was um, well, account- exiled. He was exiled, and there are accounts of him like getting dipped in boiling oil. Oil, which sounds absolutely horrific. Uh, Philip, crucified, stoned, or beheaded. Uh, the jury's still out on that one. Bartholomew, flayed, then beheaded. Thomas, uh, there's, there are traditional accounts showing him uh, going to India and preaching the gospel there. and Supposedly he was speared to death. St. Matthew, uh, killed by a halberd. Uh, James the Great... Uh, there's, a, there's a really interesting story of him, uh, and that was at the beginning of the book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as John Fox kind of introduces the martyrs. Um, he's being taken captive, and he's, going, he's he is on his way to be executed. And the guy who is taking him <laughs> to be executed sees his faithfulness, sees, sees his courage in the, faith, in, in the face of, obviously, death. And what happens, Peter?
1: Well, he falls on his knees, falls down on his feet uh, to request pardon and professing himself a Christian and resolves that James should not receive the crown of martyrdom alone. And they were both beheaded at the same time. They are
2: both beheaded. So imagine that. You are on your way to be killed for your faith. Yeah. And the guy who's taking you there, who is an absolute pagan, is converted on the spot and he dies with you. Like, that, That, that blows my mind. That was one of my favorite... And it's not even, it's not, he doesn't even dedicate a whole chapter to it. It's just no, a few Yeah, paragraphs. It's, just a, yeah. Um, it's just incredible. So, uh, Jude, possibly hacked to death with an axe. Simon the Zealot, we're not for sure. Matthias, probably sto- or possibly stoned. Some sources I read, it was in Georgia, not not in the deep south like we think. Uh, mm-hmm. Think uh, Central Asia.
1: I think they do something else down in Georgia.
2: Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah they do. Um, and then Paul, Apostle Paul was uh, pretty much all sources pretty much say he was beheaded yeah. in Rome. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, there's your 12 disciples. Um, going back to, to St. Andrew really quick, um, a little quote that Fox attributes to him before he was crucified. O cross most welcome and long looked for, with a willing mind, joyfully and desirously I come to thee being the scholar of him which hang on thee because I have always been thy lover and have coveted to embrace thee Mm. amen that is uh we don't think like that anymore do we brother
1: uh yeah not quite I was uh I walked out on my gravel driveway without uh, shoes on the other day and I took made about four steps before I was whining and complaining yeah Yeah.
2: so um as we go through this (laughs) We just want to make you feel as awful as possible about all of your whining and complaining because we do the exact same thing. But I mean, that's one of the reasons I think we should say the martyrs is that we have men and women of men and women of the faith who love the Lord mm-hmm. and show great faithfulness during great trials, and we can definitely learn from that and learn. And not that we're not that we're going to say not well, sorry not that we're going to face the exact same trials that they did, but. How much better of a Christ-like attitude could we have yeah. when we go through the trials of varying degrees that we will go through? You know, if we if we strive to have faith and courage like they did.
1: Yeah, and uh, it just really gives you a great perspective. And then they're always pointing us to Christ. That's, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's one of the things you see. You know, it's kind of one of those phrases you see today is like, uh, "Well, don't you want to be on the right side of history?" Mm. And you can see the. The persecutors and these things. Well, what? I mean, come on, just recant. You just need to be on the right side of history, here, right? Right? You know, but going 500 years forward, 1500 years forward, I think these guys are on the right side of history.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The truth will always uh, align itself to, to God and His word. So take heart in that, yeah. listener.
1: So, um, just in the uh, early on here, we see that the. Um, Basically, the pagans tried to blame the Christians for just about anything.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: So famine, pestilence, earthquakes, uh, that was laid upon the Christians. Mm -hmm. And so anytime one of these things happened, the persecutions on the Christians increased. And then, you know, there's anytime something like that happens, there's always more people who are going to form on you and kind of, you know, kind of flake away. Or maybe they get some gain or something like that. And then another thing which I thought we could, you know, you can kind of see a little bit of today, not that we're being um, murdered if we refuse this, but, you know, when any Christian were brought before the magistrates, a test oath was, pro- was proposed. So we can see a little bit of that today in certain things that go on, you know, whether it's, you know, what emoji do you have in your Twitter profile? Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, there's little things like that that we see today that's like that are signals to the culture that you are willing to bow down to them. Get okay. your little pinch
0: of incense on yeah. the
1: altar,
2: yeah. as we could say. Yeah. So, kind of what you were going off of, why the Romans persecuted the Christians. And I don't, I mean, Fox specific, specifically says the Romans. Yeah, I think we can take those same reasons and pretty much apply them to, you know, any class that's, that has persecuted those in the, those of the faith throughout history. Um, and the two that he mentioned specifically was, was fear. Um, the Romans did, they did not understand Christ's kingdom, and so they feared at least to some extent that the Christians were going to subvert their, their power and their empire, yep. right? Yep. And then the second thing was just, I mean, hatred. I mean, plain, straight, Romans 1, a man in his natural state has always hated the people of God because Christians despise their false, false gods, Fox says that they spake against their idolatrous worshipings and many times stopped the power of satan working in their idols so not only did they fear to lose their power but it was also a personal attack on the core of you know what they've built their life around their their false gods and what how they've understood the world so it's a political thing it's a personal thing and if okay if these christian guys are going to come and Seemingly try and tear all that down. Well, yeah, I'm going to get pretty upset about it, especially if I've got lots of money or mm-hmm. you know lots of commerce in the game. Yeah, and
1: that, I mean that. Pretty much that the, those themes go through the whole book. You know, if we want to go from the Romans to then, as we see, uh, sort of movements towards reforming the church. You know, I, I'm, I don't I'm know, sorry. I'm sorry.
2: I don't know what church you're talking about. Could you be a little <laughs> more specific, please? The Roman Catholic yeah. Church. Oh, okay. Roman Catholic Church. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Interesting.
1: Not a real ecumenical book. <laughs> just just going to say
2: that. Uh, most of these guys that were killed around Fox's times, not the most ecumenical guys yeah. in the world. Yeah. So <laughs> we would say they were pretty spicy. Just nowadays.
1: a warning if you are, uh, you know, kind of leaning towards swimming the Tiber there. We love you, but yeah. this
2: episode's not for you. Yeah. All right.
1: Might be a tough one.
2: (laughs)
0: So,
2: anyway, I think
1: that is the right term, right?
2: I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, I think that is. think you. If not, someone will correct us. Yeah. Um, so you want to let's just start off. Uh, going down the list a little bit here. Okay. Okay. Uh, Polycarp. First of all, excellent name. Have no idea what it means, but it's very cool. Uh,
1: I mean, it sounds like multiple carp.
2: I think it's also a Pokemon character, if I'm not mistaken. If I remember back to my
1: childhood, uh, don't know. I never played Pokemon.
2: Okay, yeah. lame old school kid. Anyway, uh, you want to tell us about Paul character a little bit?
1: Well, uh, yeah, I was looking in my book, and oh, there we go. Okay, I had lost my place for a second. So he was a bishop of Smyrna, and he escaped. Right. But then a child found him. I
2: get you every time.
1: And uh, he then feasted with the guards who apprehended him. And he asked for an hour in prayer, and he was allowed that. And he prayed with such fervency that his guards repented that they had been instrumental in taking him. Mm. But he was still taken before the proconsul, condemned, and burnt in the marketplace. And soon after that, twelve more Christians who uh, were good friends with him. Or Margaret hmm Yeah. Crazy. So but I mean, what a powerful witness there. I mean pray with such fervency that it's Garth dependent.
2: It, Absolutely. I mean, and I don't know about you, I think when I think Margaret, I think more young guys with oh, a lot of mm-hmm. you know a lot of a lot of youthful zeal. I mean Polycarp I believe he was oh, eighty yeah. it was in his eighties. I want to say eighty six years old. Yes. I mean, this is an old man. And I remember at one point at one point Fox says, um, you know, they give him a chance to recant, and they tell him, hey, be away with the atheists, and he turns around and goes, and looks at the crowd of, you know, Romans, pagans, and he goes, okay, away with the atheists. They don't worship the true God, and that just probably made everyone a little more antsy. But anyway, he's got this famous quote where he says, you know, I have served my Lord this what, 80 and six years, and, you know, why would I desert him now? I mean, what a, what a beautiful picture of of a, of a faithful and godly man to say, nope, I'm not going to desert the Lord in this time. He's take care of me so far, and guess what? He's he's going to take care of me now.
1: That's enduring to the end right there.
2: Amen. In,
1: in actual, you know, years, too, not just the back of death. Oh,
2: yeah, absolutely. All right, who's next?
1: Uh, Well, Justin Marger. Marger. Is that his last name, or...? You
2: know, I don't think a lot of these guys have oh. last names, but, okay. I mean, it's attributed to him. Okay. I'm going to assume that he was murdered? Yeah, I think that's correct. I think that's correct, yeah. Diamond. So,
1: uh, basically, he was told that if you do not obey, you'll be tortured without mercy. And Justin replies, that is our desire, to be tortured for our Lord Jesus Christ and so to be saved, for that will give us salvation and firm confidence at the more terrible universal tribunal of our Lord and Savior. And all the martyrs said, Do as you wish, for we are Christians, and we do not sacrifice to idols. And so the prefect, Rusticus, that's kind of a cool name, read the sentence, Those who do not wish to sacrifice to the gods and to obey the emperor, uh, read the sentence. Uh, Okay, hold on. I just messed that up. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you get that out? post is for?
1: Edit that out. Okay. What did I... Okay. I just uh, I skipped the words there. One, two, three. Okay, the prefect Rusticus read the sentence, Those who do not wish to, re- wish to sacrifice to the gods and to obey the emperor will be scourged and beheaded according to the laws. The holy martyrs glorifying God... They took themselves to the customary place where they were beheaded and consummated their martyrdom, confessing their Savior. That's incredible. Yes. So, um, that was, well, that was pretty early on. That was like around uh, 80, 100 133 maybe, something like that, or 8100? Okay. So pretty early on. I mean, yeah. This is not too Yeah, long. we're second century.
2: We're not too far out. Here. Yeah,
1: not too far out. Um, do you have anybody? Uh, anybody else? Prepared? Yeah, one Any, I thought know?
2: was really interesting. We're, we don't want to exclude the ladies on this uh, podcast, okay. so yeah. ladies, uh, you can also look forward to a horrible, uh, <laughs> glorious death, I guess, too. That is
1: mentioned many times in the book. It is
2: uh, Belinda um, with her companion Pothinus uh, says they died around of 177 AD. Says she was bound to a stake, and wild beasts were set on her. According to legend, they did not, however, touch her. After enduring this for a number of days, in an effort to persuade her to recant, she was led into the arena to see the sufferings of her companions. Which, I mean, just psychologically, that that seems terrifying. Like, okay, you don't want to recant? Okay, let let me show you what.
1: Yeah. You know, what you're going to see point. how horrible this actually. Yeah, is. exactly.
2: So. Finally, as the last of the martyrs, she was scourged, placed on a red-hot grate, enclosed in a net, and thrown before a wild steer who tossed her into the air with its horns. In the end, she was killed with a dagger. So, you know, some of these, I'm not saying that any of these would be fun necessarily, but, you know, I think of a beheading sounds a little swifter than being... Thrown on a hot grate and you know trampled by by bulls. I mean,
1: yeah, beheading is probably the ideal of the ones we're going to go through. Yeah, I mean, you know, torn apart with hot pincers.
2: Yeah, It doesn't know, sound great. Not great. And it's like, man, what kind of you would have you would have to take your faith. You would have to you would have to know the Lord mm-hmm. Himself, not just a knowledge
1: yeah. that you have
2: in your head. I know. I know. We yell at the kind of fish crowd, you know, having a relationship with Christ. But these people had a relationship with Christ. They knew who he was. Because you don't go through these things without intimately knowing Christ as your Savior. So, they, yeah, that story is
0: incredible.
1: Yeah, um, there's one sentence here that, I, that stuck out to me. When the Christians upon those these occasions received martyrdom, they were ornamented and crowned with garlands of flowers, for which they in heaven received eternal crowns of glory. And then right after that, we see um, Epipodius and Alexander, and they, they were good friends. And um, they, you know, were being, you know, they kind of got in trouble to join, you know, they were supposed to join into pagan worship. Mm. And um, uh, Epipodius responds Your pretended tenderness is actually cruelty. And the agreeable life you describe is replete with everlasting death Christ suffered for us. Mm -hmm. That our pleasure should be immortal, and hath prepared for his followers an eternity of bliss. The frame of man being composed of two parts, body and soul. The first, as mean and perishable, should be rendered subservient to the interests of the last. Your idolatrous feasts may gratify the mortal, but they injure the immortal part. That cannot therefore be enjoying life which destroys the most valuable moiety of your frame. Your pleasures lead to eternal death and our pains to perpetual perpetual happiness. He was then severely beaten, put on the rack, upon which, being stretched, his flesh was torn with iron hooks. Having borne his torments with incredible patience and unshaken fortitude, he was taken from the rack and beheaded. Mm -hmm. So, not only stretched out, probably his bones and joints are being pulled right. apart. He's torn with hooks. Then he's beheaded.
2: They were leaving, no doubt,
0: for sure.
1: But, I mean, just, you know, the idea of you know, let's take our modern context. Someone telling you, hey, come join in our pagan festivals and feasts, and that's the response that you get. Right. Knowing, I mean, these guys knew that that, that a response like that gets you stretched apart on a rack, torn with hooks, and beheaded. Right. I mean, that it wasn't like this. he was the first martyr there. Right. I mean, exactly. these guys know that when they speak the truth, there's a good chance that they are facing death when they speak that. And we get kind of scared speaking the truth just because someone might be mean to us. Sure.
2: And it's, it's interesting when you read that. When people say, hey, come over to this side.
1: Because
2: mm-hmm. it seems fun. It, seem, it seems as if... Okay, we're just all playing to get along. Yeah. There there is a veneer of niceness mm-hmm. and maybe even kindness. Um, we could twist and say. But like what he said, I can't remember the exact quote. So he's like, No, that way leads to death. Like that, that way is wicked. You can polish up all of these all of these sins that you want us to come and partake in just to get along, just to get along. But that's evil. That's not good. And that that that's going to lead people to hell the way to life is going to be difficult. It's going to be painful, obviously.
1: Yeah. And, um, you kind of think about how often we are unwilling to, uh, take on like temporary pain. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's what all these, all these martyrs point us to is that, yes, you know, they're being suffocated by the smoke of their burning flesh, you know, as they die. But, they're singing hymns. They're giving glory to God right. while they do that, and they aren't, you know, they aren't uh, forsaking Christ just because there's going to be some temporary, temporary sure. pain.
2: And I think because they understand, okay, this is temporary. They're weighing the temporary sufferings now, which which we know Second Corinthians four tells us don't even compare yeah. with you know the future glory that's set before us.
1: Yes, and we so often now, cling to those temporal yes. pleasures.
2: Hey, I've got a whole rack of t-shirts in my yeah. closet like that. Yeah. So,
1: so uh, moving forward into the, um, let's see, that would be the third century. Yeah. Uh, there was a guy, isn't there a song named St. Valentine? There might be. I'm not, not sure. For sure. Look that up. You can that. I don't know. Anyways, but uh, yeah, St. Valentine, you want to tell us about him? So, he... It says that he
2: died around 269 AD. Bishop Attorney, which is in Italy, and I'll just read you a little account here. While under the house arrest of Judge Asterius and discussing his faith with him, Valentinius, which is way cooler than Valentine, that's the, that's the Latin version of his name, was discussing the validity of Jesus. The judge put Valentinius to the test and brought him to the judge's adopted blind daughter. If Valentinus succeeded in restoring the girl's sight, Asterius would do whatever he asked. Valentinus, praying to God, laid his hands on her eyes, and the child's vision was restored. Immediately humbled, the judge asked Valentinus what he should do. Valentinus replied that all the idols around the judge's house should be broken, and that the judge should fast for three days and then undergo the Christian sacrament of baptism. That's awesome. The judge obeyed, and as a result of his fasting prayer, freed all the Christian inmates under his authority. The judge, his family, and the 44 members of his household, of, of the adult family members and servants, were baptized. Valentinius was later arrested, again, for continuing to evangelize. So this wasn't, wasn't his first or last rodeo. And then he was sent to the prefect in Rome, to Emperor Claudius. Claudius took a liking to him until Valentinius tried to convince Claudius to embrace Christianity, whereupon Claudius refused and condemned Valentinius to death. He was either to renounce his faith, or he would be beaten with clubs and beheaded. And, as all the good martyrs on our list, he refused, and his uh, Claudius' command was that he was executed, and he was executed on what is what we would celebrate now as Valentine's Day, February 14th,
1: two sixty nine. Um I don't really use the word based, but that's way more based than whatever the Valentine's is these days. Oh yeah. Valentine's you know, Day. I mean, that's, that's way, I mean that's just great. So what a guy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. What a what is uh, our buddy Eric say? What a what a Chad, right? Mm, what a, Chad. What a Chad. Yeah. <laughs> Chad, yeah. Whatever that means. We're really
1: good buddies with that.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're besties. Real tight.
1: Spend many hours listening to him.
2: So, ladies, if you want to get your husbands just pumped for Valentine's Day, read them this story, and mm-hmm. then make that day about suffering for your faith. That's yeah. all you got to do. Yeah. Just Throw the hearts and candies and the silly cards away. Yeah. No. We, we don't need that anymore.
0: Mm-mm.
2: Let's uh, let's go to the war for the Lord.
1: Amen. Uh, so, we next? well, you know, about uh, you know, kind of generally in that time, there was a guy named Peter. So, you know, I you know I have to read about that. Your he was, he was a young man. Uh, superior qualities of his body and mind. I mean, just, you know, uh, he was beheaded it's for like refusing. Like I'm looking at yeah, him right now in yeah. the same room. He was beheaded for refusing to sacrifice to Venus. He said, "I am astonished you should sacrifice to an infamous woman whose debaucheries, even your own historians record, and whose life consisted of such action as your laws would punish. No, I shall offer the true God the acceptable sacrifices of praise, praises and prayers." Optimus, the proconsul of Asia, on hearing this, or the prisoner to be stretched up at a, upon a wheel by which all his bones were broken, and then he was sent to be beheaded. Probably kind of limp by the time he was going to be beheaded there. <laughs> probably yeah, so. I Probably wouldn't feel so great. And, uh... Yeah, so then, uh, right after that, Nicomachus being brought before the proconsul as a Christian was ordered to sacrifice to the pagan idols. He replied, I cannot uh, pay that respect to devils, which is only due to the Almighty... This speech so much enraged the proconsul that Nicomachus was put on the rack. After enduring the torments for a time, he recanted, but scarcely had he given us proof of his frailty than he fell into the greatest agonies, dropped down on the ground, and expired immediately. So, what wow. do you think happened there? Do you think um, God was just like kind of calling him? Could be because it was yeah. like, hey, you're you know maybe a little you know weak there. Yeah. So before you you know say something you shouldn't. Sure. I don't know. Feel, it's kind of feel, yeah,
2: feel the feel even more weight. Yeah, of that punishment. Yeah
1: I'm, yeah, I'm not for sure. And I mean, that is one of the things that you see throughout the book. Every once in a while, you see someone who, you know, they're there in the fire or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, okay, hold on, wait, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. But again and again, there are those powerful stories of, you know, St. Valentine, Justin, Peter, right. Belinda, etc. who, you know, they endure to the very end.
2: Yeah. Another theme that i Picked up, I mean, even just going through this now, is how committed and how bold and precise the martyrs are to speak against mm-hmm. the the idols of the day. You know, even in my own interactions with people, mm-hmm. even in evangel, even in evangelizing other people, whether it be at work or or family members it's so easy to kind of ho-hum your way around Mm -hmm. the things that you know that they're doing are wrong Mm -hmm. or the things that they believe are wrong. And we really need to, we really need to take the Boniface option and take the ax out and just, and start hacking it down and and give them the hope of Christ. Like these guys are not in gals. Sorry, gals. They're not mincing their words when it's, when it comes to, you know, attacking the, the wisdom of the day.
1: Yeah, that's a good we do, word. We
2: need to be more like that.
1: In fact, mm-hmm. that kind of... Um, at their, uh, well, okay, it's not the end of the chapter. But there's a, you know, a, a sentence mm-hmm. there where it says, most of the errors which crept into the church at this time, and this is like the middle of the third century, arose from placing human reason in competition with revelation. Hmm. But the fallacy of such arguments being proved by the most able divines that pains they had created vanished away like the stars before the sun. But we kind of we see that a lot of times today, of well, yeah, but is that really what what the Bible says? Yeah, is that really what we should be doing? Wouldn't it be a lot nicer to do this? Yeah, that eleventh commandment, "Thou yeah. shalt be nice." Yeah, thou shalt be nice. So, who do you, uh, you have any ideas you want to talk about next?
2: Well, my notes are probably not quite as thorough as yours, but I'm jumping up. That's
1: because I'm using the book.
2: <laughs> You're on like page four.
1: I'm <laughs> four hundred.
2: You know, maybe. Um, well, since I'm already here in my notes, uh, jumping up, you know, quite a ways. Uh, Mr. William Tyndale, um, the great Englishman, the great English scholar. Side note, really quick. So, it Shakespeare, who was, I mean, he's a pretty cool guy. Some of his plays are are, are I mean, obviously fantastic. There's a reason why people still read them today. And he's credited with, you know, creating so many new words for the English language and standardizing a lot of that, mm-hmm, which I'm not mm-hmm. saying he didn't. But another guy that is greatly forgotten about is Wood Tyndale, who, um, who took John Wycliffe's work mm-hmm. um, not too far before him, and really solidified um, well, first off the Bible in the English language, but then had an incredible impact on just the English language in general. Um, you should go. You got to go pick up a biography about this guy. He is he's incredible, and he's also a martyr, a martyr. So obviously. Um, the uh, the powers that be in that church that shall not be named apparently Roman Catholic Church uh, they they did much they did not too much like uh, Mr Tyndale um, translating the Bible into English it's got to be in Latin guys come on oh. well Tyndale he would smuggle Bibles um, around the country he would smuggle them in uh, carts and under sheepskins and in wool. I believe he grew up in Gloucestershire. I read a bi I read a biography several years ago, and I'm I'm really strained for some details here. But um, I'm gonna I'll give you a paraphrase of a quote. But one of his probably one of his most famous quote, maybe a second I don't know. There's two. Um, he said, you know, he gets into an argument with uh, like a local bishop at the time. He's a pretty young guy, and this bishop guy is getting on to him. About you know his work about translating the Bible and things, and what he does is he says, "Hey man, you like, need to stop doing this. You're rebe- you're basically rebelling to the church." And Tyndale's on fire at this point. He goes, "No, it's like I defy the Pope and all his rules. And what I want to see is that the boy who drives the plow knows the word of God better than the Pope does." And you know, mic drop there. <clears throat> he's like, "I don't care too much for your Pope anyway." Um, he had a passion for wanting to see just the regular Joe Schmoes and schmucks like you and me know the word of God and be able to state themselves. So eventually, he's found out. He spent some time on the continent. He comes back and he's burnt. The, he's strangled and then he is burnt at the stake for heresy. And his parting word that Fox uh, that Fox records maybe it's either one or two. What that other quote I gave you is oh, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. It's like, mm. man. It's like, how can you have seemingly the forces of yeah. darkness on you and your final prayer is, okay, basically, you know, Lord, save save this guy. Like, the person who's putting me to death, I want to see his eyes open. Like, that's another thing that runs throughout the martyrs. Yes, like, for sure. Like, there's this, there's this Christ-like supernatural love mm-hmm. for their enemies, which, again, We just don't. We don't have that. My, I mean, myself included.
1: Yeah. We don't love our. Not quite there yet.
2: No,
1: no, not at all. And I think, I mean, you can only get there through the Holy Spirit's work in your life. I mean, there's, it's just not possible that these guys were there, dying, being strangled, you know, again, being burned at the stake, and just the horror, utter pain of that would just drive anyone who isn't. My,
2: my mornings ruined when someone cuts me mouth in traffic. Yeah. I, I mean, mean. You just, you,
1: you're not going to do that. <laughs> no, out the Lord's faithfulness. Absolutely. There was this. Uh, there was once a courageous young Englishman in Rome, and this was in like the 1500s. And um, he was passing by a church when the pre- procession of a host was coming in, and um, he snatched it from a, from a bishop as it walked by, trampled it under his feet, crying out, "Ye wretched idolaters who neglect the true God to adore a morsel of bread. (laughs) This action so provoked the people that they would have him torn to pieces on the spot. But the priest persuaded them to let him abide by the sentence of the Pope, you know. So, the Pope gets told about it, he gets exasperated, he orders the prisoner to be burnt immediately. But a cardinal dissuaded him from the hasty sentence, saying it was better to punish him by slow degrees, and to torture him that they might find out if he had been instigated by any particular person to commu- commit so atrocious uh, atrocious an act. You know? mm. And so this being approved, he was tortured with the most exemplary severity, notwithstanding, which they could only get these words from, is the will of God that I should do as I did. And so then the Pope said that he should be led by the executioner naked to the middle through the streets of Rome. Okay, So I guess that's shirtless. Um, he would be, he would wear... The image of the devil upon his head. Uh his, Do we
2: know what that means per se?
1: You know, I don't know. I was assuming they like painted the devil on okay. like a hat. You know, a lot of times they would put like a paper miter yeah, on their yeah, head yeah, yeah. the head and paint a devil on okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Um, that his breeches should be painted with the representation of flames. He should have his right hand cut off, and that after having been carried about thus in procession, he should be burnt. And so when he heard this sentence pronounced, he implored God <clears throat> to give him strength and fortitude to go through it. Amen. As he passed through the streets, he was greatly derided by the people. Um, you know, people said all sorts of crazy things to him. Um, and then he was told he, he was ordered to be gagged. So then they come to the church door where he trampled on the host. At that point, they cut off his right hand and fixed it on a pole. Um, then two tormentors with flaming torches scorched and burnt his flesh all the rest of the way. At the place of execution, he kissed the chains that were to bind him to the stake. And um, a monk presenting the figure of a saint to him, he struck it aside, and then being chained to the stake, fire was put to the wood, and he was soon burnt to ashes. Oh, and, man. Uh, yeah. I mean, just crazy. All this for, you know, something as simple as, uh, you know, not respecting the Church of Rome. Man. Um,
2: we, we need more dudes like that yeah. have a little
1: so I think that was uh, like in the 1500s but if we go back even further um, one of the things that I often don't think about was um, that w- long before you know guys like Martin Luther John, and John Huss those guys, um, which Huss was what about 100 years before Luther I think um, in the year of Christ 1140. Don't 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 forget, it's the year of Christ. Uh, the you num- mean it's
2: not common era? Yeah,
1: you know, I know what that means.
2: Common to what, uh, my atheist friends? I don't know. <laughs> the sorry. birth of our Lord Jesus? Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> you know, I, I've heard
1: that oh, at least. Yeah. So, the year of our Lord. Uh, the number of the... Ref- uh, 1140. The number of the reform was very great, and the probability of its increasing alarmed the Pope wrote to several princes to banish them from their dominions and employed many learned men to write against their doctrines. (laughs) How'd that work out for them? Still going strong. Good job of reforming men. Yep. Unnamed. So, um, then, well, I lost my, I lost my page here. I was going to, I was going to, oh, there we go. So, um, there were, uh, some folks who, uh, they were known as the Waldensies. And um, they they were. Do you want? Do you know why they were named Waldensies?
2: I do not. Now, I know. I know. I've read this going through some church history books, but it's been a minute. So okay. please enlighten well, me.
1: Well, they followed Waldo. That they, they wow, found Waldo. Just. Yep. Blew my mind. How creative. Yep. So. Um. <clears throat> so they were. It was Waldo and the Reformed. So that'd it's be a good. great indie band name. Yeah, that'd be a good band name. Um. So that kind of was the first rise of inquisitors, you know, as their uh, Pope Innocent the Third authorized certain monks as in- inquisitors to inquire for and deliver over the reform to the secular power. It's hmm, kind of interesting. The process was short, as an accusation was deemed was deemed adequate to guilt. A candid trial was never granted granted to the accused. So now they obviously were they were dying for their. Faith. Right. We do see today a similar thing where just an accusation of not supporting the alphabet mafia or, you know, whatever you, you know, fill in the blank. The
2: thing that's been super important for the last ten minutes.
1: Yeah. That is enough to get someone labeled as XYZ and seen as guilty in right. the public eye. Right. So there you know, I I don't know that we should go so far as saying there never is any persecution in the West of Christians today. I, I agreed, but it certainly is taking a slightly different format, sure, um, than it was back then. But anyways, let's uh, let's go on, you know, get down here a little farther. Um, so basically, you know, the inquisitors had unlimited power. They proceeded against whom they pleased without any consideration of age, sex, or rank, and, um, you know they were pretty, pretty brutal there. Um, even like an anonymous letter was enough ed- evidence. So it didn't matter who actually was, you know, providing the accusation, you know, to be rich was a crime equal to heresy. So kind of interesting. I wonder who got the money after they uh, killed those folks. That's a fair question. I yeah. Think. <laughs> so, um, no lawyer wanted to plead for his own brother. Um, And even the bones of many who were um, killed were dug up and burnt as examples to the living. So this is like
2: cancel culture
1: with a little extra
0: pop to it. Oh,
1: yeah. And it's coming from, in theory, the church. Yeah. Hmm. The church who shall not be named. Yeah, the church who shall not be named. And so you can actually go... So they're there and, you know... I don't remember... It was then, but the Waldenzis stick around for a while. And they, um, if I remember correctly, they get chased out into the the wilderness, sort of. And then they're up in the mountains for a while. And then um, they actually went down to uh, Calabria. I may not be pronouncing that right, but I believe that's in uh, Italy. And, you know, Italy... Known as a hotbed of papists. Probably wasn't the greatest place to flee to, but I, I'm assuming, you know, they couldn't just hop on a jet and, you know, fly over to America back then. Probably not. Yeah. So, um, they fled down there, and and this is in the 14th century now, so fast forward a few hundred years. Um, they found some wastelands, and that good old Protestant work ethic, uh, by the most industrious cultivation, made several wild and barren spots appear with all the beauties of verdure and fertility. Mm. I don't know what verdure means. Do you know?
2: No, I yeah. do know what fertility means, though. Do you? I do. Hmm. I do have five children.
1: Uh, the Calabrian lords were highly pleased with their new subjects and tenants. They were honest, quiet, industrious. But the priests of the country exhibited several negative complaints against them for not being able to accuse them of anything bad, which they did do. They founded accusations on which they did not do Hmm. and charged them with not being Roman Catholics, not making any of their boys priests, not making any of the girls nuns, not going to mass, not giving uh, wax tapers to their priests as offerings, not going on pilgrimages, and not bowing to images. You know, I think I'm a Waldensian. Can you find some of those in the Bible for me? Uh, all of them? <laughs> I mean,
2: those are all great things that we would say, hey, don't, like, you shouldn't bow down to idols. Like, I'm pretty sure that's kind of like Ten Commandment-y, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were a couple others?
1: Uh, Going on a pilgrimage. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, wax tapers to your priest as an offering. I'm
2: not even for sure what that means.
1: You me neither. I I probably should have researched what a wax taper <laughs> was. I'm assuming it's like a candle or something. I mean, maybe it's something for candles or I something. Know. I have no idea. Uh, not are, are you commanded mass, that your though. kids have to be priests or nuns? Yeah,
2: uh, not that I recall, unless that's like yeah. Leviticus chapter ninety seven or something like mm-hmm. that. I might have missed that one.
1: Yeah. Well. So, anyways, the uh, the Waldensies continue to be persecuted. I like and, them. Um, There's some some crazy stories about them and you should go read. Um, And uh, they, I think some of them moved up Piedmont. They were in the Piedmont area. And again, what were they accused of? They did not believe in the doctrines of the church of Rome. Mm -hmm. They made no offerings or prayers for the dead. I mean, duh, we're all supposed to do that. Right. (laughs) And they didn't go to mass. Um, They did not confess and receive absolution did Not believe in purgatory mm-hmm. well, interesting. Got me, or pay money to the souls of their friends out of it, yeah. or to get the souls of their yeah, friends yeah, out, yeah, of it. yeah, yeah. So,
2: and that becomes a big thing, obviously, in Luther's time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tetzel, uh, Johan, is it Johan Tetzel? Yes, Johann. you know, guys with, with indulgences. Yep. So, good job. Um, uh, Walt, well, say, say it again. Sorry, that's a, that's a bad one. Waldensies, art. Waldensies, yeah, no they were the Waldensies.
1: Waldo and the Reformed. Yeah, so uh, at Turin, you know, just moving on a little bit, um, one of the Reformed has bowels torn out, put in a basin before his face where they remained in his view till he expired. That's a good one. That's lovely. Yeah, that might be one of the like the top five worst ways to <laughs> die, I think.
2: Which also makes you think, like, okay, yeah, uh, the Pope has the authority to, to punish, but, like, I mean, this is getting to some very creative stuff. Like, yeah. it's kind of, I mean, it's grotesque and gross. Yeah. Like, who came up with this?
1: Yeah. Like, the beheading
2: seems sufficient to me. Oh, yeah. But, I guess not to them. Yeah,
1: some of this stuff is cruel and unusual and it it doesn't make sense at all how someone could claim to be a follower of Christ. Right. And then go exacted upon someone just simply as another human being. Right. Not, you know, I mean, capital punishment.
2: Yeah, there's it's, capital punishment yeah. and there's torture and yep. stuff you see and saw and all that. Wow.
1: Yeah, so, um, I mean, the Waldenses, they were pretty cool. They, they um, were given the option that they could come to the bosom of the Church of Rome, and uh, they could prove their obedience by sending, um, you know, 12 of their principal persons to be dealt with. Um, that, and, you know, so basically they were, they were given some, some orders. We don't need to go into each one of them. Uh, but, that they, they replied that no considerations, whatever, would make them renounce the religion. They would never consent to commit their best and most respectful friends to the custody and discretion of their worst and most inveterate enemies. That they valued the uh, approbation of the king of kings, who reigns in heaven more than any temporal authority. Mm. That their souls were more precious than their bodies. And they exasperated the Parliament of Turin at that point. But that's enough about the Waldensies. Uh, I They're one of my favorite sections of the book. So if you uh, at some point pick it up, it'd be great. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a fun read to just pick up those sections and read that. And that's one of the things I love about this book is that you don't have to sit down and read the whole thing cover to cover. Right. You can pretty much pick it up, open it to any given chapter, read anything from a sentence to multiple pages, about either a person or a group of people who love the Lord and serve him faithfully until their death
0: yeah
2: yeah you're gonna get blessed by it by by not having to do a ton of study so if you're a person like me who has trouble finishing full books this is this is the book for you because you can get little gems here and there uh, without having, without having to put a, a ton of uh, a ton of time in.
1: so so um have you have you heard of John Huss uh, the goose, right? Not
2: the goat. The goose. Hus means goose.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was the swan, was Luther, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah, her yeah. Her, that's right. Well, so I um, obviously there's a lot of stuff we could talk about with him. But. Um,
2: the, bo- the Bohemian, right?
1: Yeah, I think that was
2: Bohemia. Right? Yeah, I think he was a Bohemian. I actually Bohemian.
1: had to look up where Bohemia was. Because I wasn't positive. Southern Germany, right? So, well, south,
2: eastern Germany, and then into Austria, correct?
1: Yeah. Czech Republic, Austria, oh, Germany, and even, I think, someone into Poland. Okay. It would be pretty okay. interesting to see, like, if we went back to that time, like, what the countries actually looked like. Oh, yeah. It would be pretty cool. Um, Let's see. What was I going to say here? He, Mr. Huss. Yeah, yeah. So, he's, you know, he great guy, he's going to be um, burnt alive, right? On his arrival at the place of execution, he fell on his knees, sung several portions of the Psalms, looked steadfastly toward heaven, and repeated these words. Into thy hands, O Lord, do I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O most good and merciful God. When the chain was put about him at the stake, he said with a smiling countenance, My Lord Jesus Christ was bound with a harder chain than this for my sake. Why, then, should I be ashamed of this rusty one? Um, So then the woods piled up to his very neck. And they asked him again to abjure. He said, no, I never preached any doctrine of an evil tendency. When I taught with my lips, I now seal with my blood. And then he says, you are now going to burn a goose. Thus, signifying goose. Uh, But a century you will have a swan whom you can neither roast nor boil. Hmm. If he were prophetic, he must have met Martin Luther Martin Luther, who's shown about a hundred years after, and who had a swan for his arms. That
2: is so, that is pretty incredible.
1: So do you think um that Huss would have done that if like, you know, his um you know, he was singing several portions of the Psalms. So speaking of singing,
2: hmm. uh you know this is a hot topic for me.
1: Yeah, you do like music and singing. I, do. I believe you. You know, you've done a little bit of singing yourself, right? A little bit, yeah. You want to reveal that or no? No, nah, right I don't time. think
2: we're ready yet.
1: Uh, I mean, what kind of songs do you think John Huss would have sung? I mean, like stuff like, you know, "This Is the Air We Breathe" or whatever. I don't or know what um, it is, bro. I'm trying to think of old, like '90s. Even oh, jellyfish worship oh, songs. Oh, trash. Well,
2: you know, here, um, I, I actually did some research for you. Okay. actually went on, I don't know if it's, it's like the top 40 for Christian oh, okay. artists, and I will use that Christian word in air quotes there. <clears throat> so here's, secular or Christian song? I know I've already oh, showed no. my hand, no, but no. I we're, we're really into that territory, unfortunately. Who said you weren't beautiful, Peter? And that you didn't belong in your own skin, who said that you were all alone and that you're never going to find love again. This is, by the way, this is the number one Christian chart-topping song as of, I believe, last week. And I'm not exactly sure what's Christian about it, but would you like some more? No.
1: no, no. I mean, I I wouldn't mind hearing some other songs, but not more of that song.
2: Oh, okay. Well, here's, here's, I think, number two. Uh... I am a little unstable, loose wires always getting tangled now. I'm a bit difficult. I, can, I, I, you know, I can't even read it. It's terrible. Here's something that um, that we all need to know. If we're going to make it as believers, especially in a culture that is potentially going to offer up some more opportunities for us to, um, to suffer and to have maybe a little more persecution. Um, Not only do we need the Word of God hidden in our heart, which we do, that's the number one thing, and prayer, obviously, is number two. But the songs that we store up in our hearts are also incredibly important, because good songs shape you, and they shape your theology, and they also shape you, or they shape your view of who God is, and who you are. So I'm going to read you a song that um, I would put on my number one, uh, church Hopping, and uh, trust me, it's way better. Okay. This is George Duffield. This is early 1800s. Stand up for Jesus. If you've even heard this song, it is an absolute mm-hmm. banger. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, you soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner, it must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, his army he shall lead, till every foe is vanquished and Christ is Lord. Indeed. Now, I'm, like like we mentioned before, <clears throat> William Shakespeare. I know William Shakespeare, but if you cannot see the clear <laughs> chasm of difference between the two songs I read for you just now and uh, Mr. Duffield's, um brother or sister, you need to please check yourself.
1: So what you're saying is we need to go back to, like, um, you know, 30 years ago when we had bands like Petra. Saying songs like "Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus." I mean, maybe not. No, okay. no, no, no.
2: I'm saying, and we have a mutual who we've actually talked about wanting to get on this show.
1: Yeah, if you're listening, you know who you are.
2: Yeah, uh, the Bourbon Baptist on Twitter,
1: Mr. Eli Craig. Mr.
2: Eli Craig. Uh, he has some some very similar thoughts of mine when it comes to music. Come on the show, Mr. Eli. Come on Craig. the show, Mr. Eli Craig. But anyway, I mean, but seriously, you think about, okay, my family is missing me because I've been thrown into jail Mm -hmm. for years. It's like, hey, John Bunyan. John Bunyan, yeah. I I want to get into him here in just a second. He wasn't a martyr, but like that, or like, okay, I'm seeing my wife being lifted up on a hunk of wood to be Mm -hmm. crucified. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I
1: mean, there's multiple stories in here where families, you know, maybe it's a father and son one day, and then later on, it's son and mother are being burned together and they all have to encourage each other. Yeah. And And to have a family that actually is going to stay strong through that. I mean, who said that you weren't beautiful, that ain't going to get you by. No, that's not, that's not lifting your eyes toward the king. What you need is something like the martyr first whose eagle eye could pierce beyond the grave, Mm. who saw his master in the sky and called him to save like him with pardon on his tongue in midst of mortal pain He prayed for them that did the wrong who follows follows in in his train.
2: Excellent. That is beautiful. That is beautiful, sir. So, anyway, getting off of my musical rant, we should should sing better songs. And, in Mr. Craig's opinion, much older songs than we typically sing now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that kind of ties into reading stuff like this. Yeah, absolutely. Where it's a pretty old book. I was trying to think of C.S. Lewis writing. Of, like God in the Dock or something like that where he tells us to, to read old books. Yeah. I think you're right. Um Yeah, and singing old songs, very similar name. Yeah. It's Good for uh it's stood the test of time. Except for um what what's that one song, that uh, one Christmas song, Oh Holy Night or something like that? That's that uh My dear
2: friend co host ruined me on Oh Holy Night this week.
1: I had to pass it along. I saw it on Twitter. Someone uh, said it was Unitarian. I didn't. I, you know. I've never really done any study on it. It is such a beautiful song, not in just lyrical
2: content, but musically, it is stellar. And this guy goes, "Oh, some Unitarian wrote it." Like, bro.
1: Well, I think he it for it, me. to be fair, he like rewrote it. He right?
2: re, he did yeah. rewrite. So, it. but the, the version are still really the version good that we though,
1: sing Would be a Unitarian version.
2: But just knowing that those dirty bastards, like, it makes me a little sad. Um,
1: Anyway, let's it, let's it move on. Fingers into
2: everything. I, know,
1: I know. So, um, have you ever heard of Jerome?
2: I have heard of Jerome of Prague, not Jerome Bettis. I'm assuming. Uh,
1: now, this is Jerome without the e, without the, e. the on the end uh, of Prague, and he was a uh, a good friend of John Huss. Okay. And so, I you know, not that he's. Uh, I mean what he says doesn't necessarily stick out majorly in the book necessarily, but for us it's it's pretty great. So our Lord, um so they put a cap of paper painted with red devils on his head and he said, Our Lord Jesus Christ, when he suffered death for me, a most miserable sinner, did wear a crown of thorns upon his head and for his sake will I wear this cap. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, they give him two more days, hoping that he'll recant. Yeah. He doesn't recant. He's got going so, uh, going to the place of execution, he sung several hymns. And when he came to the spot, um, which was the same where Hus had been burnt, he knelt down and prayed fervently. He embraced the stake with great cheerfulness. And then when they went behind him to set the fire to the wood, he said, come here and kindle it before my eyes. For if I had been afraid of it, I had not come to this place. The fire being kindled, he sung a hymn, but was soon interrupted by the flames, and the last word... Words he was heard to say, The soul in flames I offer. Mm. What a guy. Man, that's awesome. Yep. But again, singing hymns. Yeah. Right way. there. Sustains you right there. Worship's warfare. Yeah. Um I don't any other crazy stories of courage. Or should we just tell people that hey, you need to read the book and maybe we'll. Come well, back yes, and talk they, about they this do
2: again. need to read the book, and yeah, we probably should wrap it up. I do, I do want to get to. I wanted to get in Latimer and Ridley. Okay. I, yeah. I know that I know a lot of people know that story, so we'll we'll, we'll save that story. Though. It is a great story. We'll get into it another time though. Okay. I do want to get into one here. Not and we mentioned Peter just mentioned him. John Bunyan, mm-hmm. not a martyr, did not die for his faith, but if you're familiar with Bunyan, the Puritan. Um my favorite Puritan, my dad's favorite Puritan, um, he was imprisoned for twelve years. And all he had to do, like we've seen throughout all these stories, like there's always a way out, right? Yeah, yeah. There's always a way, okay, hey, just deny Christ or give the pinch of incense. Or Bunyan's case Okay, you're a separatist. You're not going to preach under our with our special, you know, preaching license. Yeah. All you got to do is say you're not going to preach anymore. The dude spent twelve years in prison for that, and it's like, wow, that's conviction, man. So Bunyan uh, was also a family man. Like he, it wasn't just a single guy who didn't have a whole lot to sacrifice.
0: He had kids, and
2: he had a blind daughter Mm. um, who was at home with his wife. And there's an account um, of him in prison, um, just missing her. And you and I both have daughters. Mm-hmm. We love our daughters. There's something. There's that special bond between dads and their little girls. That is just, you know, you can't put words to it. It's it's amazing. And so, Bunyan had a blind daughter, and he he described his his separation from her like his. Flesh being ripped away from his bones. And you think you can imagine, like, both of our daughters are young, right? Mm-hmm. 12 years. They wouldn't be the same person when you got back home. Like, I can't even wrap my head around that.
1: I actually think about that often, how little time I have left with her before she is, the Lord willing, right. you know, out on the house, married, yeah. living, you know, a, a totally different life.
2: And think like, okay, Peter, all you gotta do is say, I'm not, I'm not gonna do this anymore, and you get to go home and be with your daughter. And Bunyan said, no, I'm not gonna deny the Lord that way. Like I, like I want that, man. Like that's that's him knowing, that's all these martyrs knowing that when I, when Jesus talks about him, I think it's Luke 14. You know, if you don't love your or if you don't hate your father and mother and your mm-hmm. brother and sister, um, you're not fit to be my disciple. It's like, man, that really kind of sticks in our craw mm-hmm. in American culture, but it's true. It's like if we don't if we don't love the Lord Jesus above all else, man, that we're not worthy to be his disciple. Those words are true. So be, be like Bunyan. Be like these guys.
1: Yeah. Do you, um, where, was, where was Bunyan again? He was in England.
2: Uh, Grew in Bedford, but traveled around okay. kind of here and there.
1: Yeah, I was thinking it was Bedford, but. he uh, so was a pastor. Uh, I don't know if you saw this story uh, recently out of England, Birmingham, though. Uh, A woman was arrested because she might be praying silently outside of an abortion clinic. So they're, you know, they're just keeping up the hard work over there in England. Yeah. You know? I guess things haven't changed that much. I guess not.
2: (laughs) Is Mary's Queen of Scots still around?
1: Yeah. So (laughs) she wasn't even carrying a sign. She remained completely silent until she was approached by officers. But they had received complaints from an onlooker who suspected that she was praying silently in her mind. How dare she! Yeah, so she was arrested. Um, you know, basically that's a thought crime. Well, but you know, I, the Lord willing, we should you know we should be praying for uh, absolutely that he would sustain her through the difficulty. Yeah, but uh, you know, pray for the does. people of China. I mean, yeah,
2: Great Britain. Sorry. Yeah. Easy to mistake nowadays, I guess.
1: Coming soon to a country near you.
2: Exactly. So, okay, so we probably need to wrap things up here. it has been a long episode. Thanks for sticking with us, guys. We probably needed to, to, need to turn this into two parts. But anyway, so what can we
1: what can we take away as we've learned from the here? Well, um, I think one of the things that you read from this or that you get from reading this uh, it's just how richly blessed we are in the West mm, to have yeah. peace. I mean, as much as, you know, we're kind of ragging on the Catholics here, I'm kind of glad we're not at war with them. Yeah, I agree. 100 that, like, that me saying something against the Pope on this podcast doesn't mean that I'll be beheaded tomorrow. That's, That's right. What a blessing, right? That's kind of nice. But, we can kind of get lazy and soft and sure. because of that. Um, so, you know, as a uh, Eric Connick said so would be a hard man.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, memorizing hymns and psalms. Yeah. It's like a great spot. Um, there
2: is yeah. a level of being prepared yeah. for, for some kind of suffering or persecution. Not that we're preppers, you know, but at the same time, it's like if, if Jesus promised that we're going to suffer in this life to, to varying degrees, as we always say, like there needs to be some spiritual preparedness to go through times like that. And God gives us the grace and the and the tools to do that.
1: Yeah, I mean that's I'd say that's kind of what the whole podcast is about, right? Yeah, yeah. Is to call yes. us to prepare now. Yeah. For something we've all faced. Exactly. Which is death. Yeah. And maybe that will be death. You know, chained to a stake as you're burning. Yeah. But maybe it'll be a nice, comfortable death. It could in be in your bed. And there's nothing wrong either with way, that either way. You're gonna die. Right. And you need to think about that now and not when you're dying. Yeah, exactly. I know one
2: argument kind of against the whole martyrs thing um, is, oh, well, they're seeking it for their own glory. Or, you know, they're just being foolhardy and, you know, jumping into battle, stuff like that. It's like, we we would never call on anyone to be foolish. Like, we would never say, mm-hmm. oh, hey, young Christian man, just leave your family and your and your kids, and your home, yeah. and just... To go off
1: to Egypt. Yeah, just you know, on a Some place where you might actually be killed. Yeah, just on a
2: whim and, yeah. and go die. Like, no, we're not saying for that. Because, I mean, if you see also in Scripture, First Timothy chapter 2, where it says, you know, first of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings, and all who are in high positions. Why? That we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. Godly and dignified in every way. And we, and we should. That should be something that we all desire. But when trouble comes knocking at our door, not the other way around, we do need to be prepared for that. And we should be bold in that.
1: What, um... I think that kind of goes along with a willingness to not hold fast to this life and yes. the things of this world. Yeah, they're fleeting. Um, And... uh, their example of being willing to I mean not necessarily run towards the flames um, but to give up this life in exchange for eternal glory is something that we can all uh, learn from what other uh, takeaways did you have
2: I would say and I guess I already mentioned it, it was the attitude of the martyrs not being these spiteful, bitter, mm. hateful people toward their persecutors. It's, it's done, maybe I guess we can't say for sure in every instance, but seemingly there's a trend of these people want to do this for the Lord. It's not for their own self-glorification. And they do actually care about the souls of those around them who are chanting, mm-hmm. <laughs> who are chanting for their death, mm-hmm. who want them to die in these, <laughs> these horrific ways. And these martyrs are going. Man, I wish that uh, I wish that they would all repent. Wish they would all believe in Christ. And and God does grant that for sure. God has given um, has has given grace in that. So, and sometimes it's not immediately. I mean, you read the Huss story, where okay, hundred years later, I mean, God completely shakes the world. Yeah, and Western civilization is built. You know, on the back of those guys. So, I'd say that's one of the big things.
1: Yeah, I think my last takeaway would probably be, um, you know, they didn't, they didn't ever. Well, I shouldn't say they never. There may be a situation that I missed. You know, there there are a few that we can't. Right. Um, but in general, those who endured, um, they weren't. Praying to be taken out of the situation, mm. you know, and I think you know, it, it's easy when going through facing trials to not ask for perseverance, but to ask for the trial to be removed. Yeah. And uh, so I just want to read this here. Um, this is in the 16th century uh, Netherlands, if I remember correctly. Uh, I'll just. Uh, well, we don't know your backstory, but we are not comfortless. To con- uh, we are not comfortless to confinement, for we have faith. We fear not affliction, for we have hope, and we forgive our enemies, for we have charity. Be not under apprehensions for us. We are happy in confinement through the promises of God, glory in our bonds, and exult in being thought worthy to suffer for the sake of Christ. We desire not to be released. But to be blessed with fortitude. We ask not liberty, but the power of perseverance, and wish for no change in our condition, but that which places a crown of martyrdom upon our heads. May we all have that
2: heart. Absolutely. Well, thank you for listening to Death and Glory Podcast, Episode 2 on the Martyrs. We hope you will join us next time. And remember that Death and Glory Podcast exists to remind Christians. To love our king, die with honor, and live with hope and perishable, because Christ has been raised from the dead. See you guys next
0: time. To Canaan's land I'm on my way Where the soul of man never dies My darkest night will turn to day the soul of man never dies Dear friends, there'll be no sad farewell, there'll be no tear-dim nights, where all is peace and joy and love, where the soul of man never dies. A rose is growing there for me, where the soul of man never dies. I will spend eternity where the soul of man never dies Dear friends, there'll be no sad farewell There'll be no tear dim nights Where all is peace and joy and love Where the soul of man never dies